Praise God. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. All throughout the Old Testament, uh, they would be instructed to just chant that. I've never chanted before. Anybody been to the Saints game? We went a couple of weeks ago. And man, my little boy, my goodness, I, I wouldn't give you two nickels about going. Honestly, no, no, they won. Uh, and I, and uh, you know, it's fun. I enjoy it and stuff like that. But whenever you have a seven-year-old, I mean, he like really gets into it, like totally gets into it. Where I'm kind of like ready to go. If they got a real good lead, I'm like, let's get out of here. Let's beat the traffic home. And he's like, oh, no, we have to get our ball signed. And I'm like, Noble, it took six escalators to get to our seats. You're as far from the field as you could possibly get. They don't even know we exist right now. That's how high up we are at this at this game. I mean, it's just, uh, and because for me, whenever I'm buying the tickets, you know, I, whenever I'm allotting, like, how much do I want to spend on this? Every year, me and Noble, we go to a Saints game. Then I have to choose, do I want to get uh, a room in Metairie? Or do I want a, and get good seats? Or do I want... Uh, sorry seats and a room that we can walk to so that we don't have to do traffic because if you've ever been in like a two-hour traffic jam with a five-year-old you want to rip all your hair out and the steering wheel and you almost wish you didn't come so I choose to get as high as we could possibly get I mean it's like is that Drew Brees I don't know I think it is uh but but at least when it's over, we walk to our room. So while everybody else is like, honking their head, we just, we just walk to our room. But during these games, everybody is chanting. Well, they chant for, they're, they're cheering for their team. Well, all throughout the Old Testament, God would instruct them to say just this, just this, just a few words, a small phrase. And that is, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So they would be going into battle or they would have some situation or just as a time of praise and worship, they would just as a congregation, they would lift up their voice. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And just one time after another, they just lift up their voice. And what does that do? Well, very similar to just this morning, we just take a few moments to lift up our voice and begin to say how great thou art. And it opens, uh, the Bible says, the windows of heaven. And now you're in the presence of God. He'll just kind of walk in. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people or he makes his home within the praise of his people. So people that refuse to praise God and, and, and extol him live without the presence of God, even though they may be uh, a good Christian or a churchgoer. But, but I just like to lift my voice. It said, man, for the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. So none of that's in my notes, but I just want to share that. I want to talk to you this morning, and my wife's going to uh, hop up here in just a few minutes. Uh, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the body, that every person in here has got uh, a head and some shoulders and some arms and some legs, some knees, the knee bones connected to the... Man, not hip moan. That wouldn't be right. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work as well. Every one of you have a, a body, a natural body, and that body uh, works and functions because everything's in its place. 
And the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. The Bible says that, that the church is like a living, a living building. The Bible says that the church is like a flock and Jesus is the shepherd. The Bible says that the church is like a city that's set up on a hill. But the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the church as a body. Jesus is the head of the church. He assigns his members and tells the, tells the body what to do so that his will is accomplished within the earth. And the, the body has lots of different parts some unique parts but but all of them are different all of them are needed and we're all vitally connected to each other and the church i'll just go ahead and share this with you the church is the the greatest institution on the planet it's the most awesome thing on this planet and i'm not talking about a building i'm talking about the moment you get saved you say lord jesus come in my heart i repent I, I believe that you died for me and that you you arose for me and you become you just joined the baddest club on the planet you just enlisted in the body of christ the anointed one the messiah Elohim you just joined yourself to the creator of the heavens and the earth I love whenever God's talking back and forth to Job and he says were you there whenever I created the 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 universe were you there when I made the oceans and of course Job's just like no I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't in and all that come on the God we serve is amazing and whenever we become born again we become a part of his body if you remember uh, whenever the angel came to Mary come y'all remember that story Mary y'all know her y'all remember her before she was this She's just a 16-year-old girl, just 17-year-old girl. And an angel walks up to her and says, I, I love this. He just walks up to her and he says, rejoice. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure she did the same thing. You can imagine Gabriel, he walks up and he says, rejoice. You are highly favored among women. You are blessed that's what gabriel told her and, and i'm sure she had the same reaction that you had was like who 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 are who are you what are you talking about i'm a 17 year old girl this is a hand-me-down robe i got on i mean i don't have a whole lot going for me i'm living in a desert i got some sandals on got a good mom got a good dad but you're telling me to rejoice i love just the power of of, of, of like gabriel you know everywhere he went or everywhere these angels went they showed up with just power and force and and yet here you can just see him. He shows up pumped and excited. And he's like, rejoice, Mary. And Mary's like, what are you talking about? There's nothing to rejoice about. And she actually, the Bible says that she puzzles within her heart. She says, why is he talking to me like this? I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. There's nothing uh, outstanding about me. And you're saying that I'm blessed among all the women. I'm favored among all the women on the planet. I don't feel like that. How many of y'all wake up feeling like rejoice? <laughs> nobody does, man. Nobody wakes up like that. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets out of bed like that. Mary was just regular, everyday, normal person just like you, but not to God. God didn't see Mary, and God doesn't see you the way you see you. 
You see you as just regular, but God says you are blessed. You are highly favored. You are a chosen person. The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation that's been called out of darkness to reflect his marvelous light. Come on, you feel average and normal, but in, the, in, the, in, in heaven's world, uh, you're, you're, you're way above average. Just way above average. But Mary felt that. And I love this because this is this. I wouldn't even plan on getting on that. But 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 he tells her, he says, Mary, uh, you, you're all this because you're going to give birth to the Messiah and his name shall be mighty counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. And the weight of the government will be on his shoulders and to his kingdom. There will be no end. To the kingdom of Jesus Christ, there will be no end. So we're talking about the body of this same Jesus. He's the head. We're the body. And to the church, there will be no end. There will be no end to the church. And I say that because sometimes we look at the church right now in America and we kind of feel like, man, we're kind of getting pushed out of all of the parts uh, but, but I can tell you, I don't care who pushes what. We're part of the one to whose kingdom there will be no end. They can take us out of the courtroom, out of the school system, out of the neighborhood, out of the community center, out of the health care. They can take us anywhere, push us out of everything. But to his kingdom, there will be no end. And you're in that kingdom. You made it. You're in the kingdom. You're in the club, baby. And Jesus, what did Jesus tell me? He says, he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And what's happening? Well, the gates of hell are coming against the church and it seems like they're winning, but he can't win. It's impossible. You're in a club that you can't lose in. You're on a team that you can't lose. Why? Because Jesus said it's forever established in heaven. The, the, the gates of hell will come against the church, try to push us out of everything. The reason I'm saying this is we're talking about this body of Christ that you and I are participating in. And right now in America, it may seem like, but sometimes we think that the church is an American church. How many of y'all know the church is not American church? The church is an African church. It's a China church, Chinese, right? It's a Hispanic. The church is not a church of Americans. The church is a church of people. And it's a global, I don't want to call it a phenomenon, but it's phenomenal. And it spans from ocean to ocean, continent to continent. The church is bigger than just what, what you and I perceive it to be. I was just spending time with Pastor Mark, who's my, uh, my pastor. And uh, he just got back from Africa. And, and he's over there preaching. And it, oh my goodness, it's just amazing. Because whenever I go in the Superdome, I sit in the Superdome, I'm like, man, it'd be crazy have church in here. Why? Because I'm, you know, I'm in a church, so they've got like 100 seats here. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, Man, it'd be awesome to have church in here. God, look how big it is. It's just amazing. But then I sit down with Pastor Mark last week, and he says, right now, they just finished making a building that's one square mile. One square mile. 
the largest church on the planet right now is in Nigeria. They just finished one square mile, and they're about to start the second square mile. You know how big a square mile is? Over a million people every Sunday pour into a church that you could put a, a, a baker's dozen of the, of the Superdomes inside that building. And Nigerian after Nigerian after Nigerian are just pouring into that building. And man, can you imagine the sound? My goodness, the Bible says that, that there's going to be a day when every tribe and every nation and every tongue are going to come before the throne of God and they're going to begin to worship. And the Bible says it's going to sound like many waters. Can you imagine being in a building on Sunday morning with a many, million people singing how great they are? It's like a turbine. We need to hook this thing up, just generate the city. I mean, we just, just the power that's within that, and they're about to go to the second mile. So listen, what's my point? In America, I, I, praise God, I love America, but it's not just, I'm telling you, all over the globe, if it's not happening here, it's going to happen somewhere because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And we're part of the club. He said, he said there's multiple. He says, he says there's many, many churches of 100,000. And I've been to Joel. Love Joel. I watched Joel on television. Joel Osteen's got 40,000 in his church. And to sit in his church, there's people everywhere. But, but to imagine in Bogota, Colombia, hundreds of thousands of people are gathering and worshiping and lifting up their voice. For decades, our nation invested the blood of missionaries all over this globe. They planted their lives in these continents. And now, 10, 20, 30 years later, those seeds of the blood of those missionaries has sprouted and now has made trees of souls. Because we invested over there. And don't think God's going to let America go to hell in a handbasket. I'm telling you, revival's coming. The goodness of God's coming. I don't care what, what they're doing, what they're saying. I'm telling you, it's coming. It, do, it, do it now, Jesus. We want it now. But praise God, I just want to share with you that all over the globe, great, awesome, wonderful things are happening, and you're in good company. Even if you're like Mary and you feel like, man, you're nothing special about me, you're in good company. You just got to learn to see what God sees in you act appropriately and speak appropriately because this is really what we're talking about this morning because once Mary's mind was rearranged she had to have she had to be brainwashed Gabriel is a good one to help you when you're looking at this I'm sure I doubt he was like my height you know and my build I'm imagining Gabriel whenever you look at him he was just like just 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 a specimen and whenever he's saying, all of heaven is favoring you. All of, all of humanity is going to call you blessed. It changed her self-image. Once it changed her self-image, it changed her mouth. Because then she said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. And once she lined her words up with God's words... Then heaven, heaven opened. So this morning, I want to talk to you about your tongue or about your words, speech therapy. I want to talk to you about the impact 
of your words, the impact of your words in your home, the impact of your words on your kids, the impact of your words on your future, on your life, the impact of your words, uh, aligning your words with God's words. Because once you align your words with God's words, this is the greatest message I could ever preach. I feel like uh, uh, this message here is the message that took me from just being a regular Christian to actually, uh, I believe, uh, pursuing God and living and, and watching Him open heaven. Whenever I learn how to change my words and change the way I spoke, even though I felt whipped, I said, I'm strong. Even though I felt broke, I said I'm blessed. Even though I looked broke, I said I'm blessed. Why? Because the Bible says let the weak say I'm strong. In other words, don't let the weak agree with weakness. No, you uh, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. So rather than we live in, and I'm telling you, uh, this is very difficult, and this is something that you have to really learn uh, it, it takes a long. It takes a while, and I still miss it. I can tell you, every week I still miss it, uh, even even though I know that the power of it, uh, it, it's tough. But you can do it, and I believe you can school yourself and train yourself that rather than saying I'm weak, I'm broke, I'm sick, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, you find out what the Bible says, you find out what the Word of God says, just like Mary did, and you align yourself with that. You say what He says, and then heaven will open, and you'll actually. The Bible says you can actually call things that be not as though they were. Whenever, whenever God stepped out into the universe, the Bible says that the earth was without form and void and dark and gross darkness was on the face of the deep. And he walked out and he said, light be. And there was light. Listen, if we turned all the lights off in here, you can imagine it's just there's nothing. There's nothing there. But most people, myself included, you walk into that and you think, my God, this is, this is ridiculous. There's no lights on in here. And this is ridiculous. This is chaotic. This is, I can't believe it's this dark in here. God don't do that. God don't think like we think. God walks into a situation. He says, light, beep, boom. And then there's light. So he doesn't, he doesn't say the situation. He says, he says the results. He calls the results is what he does. So I, wanted, I, I took a long time for us to get to James. Praise God. We're going to James, though. James chapter 3 this morning. Man, it's 1044 already. Praise God. The Lord knows what he's doing. He's the head of the church. So we'll get through everything we're supposed to get through and pick up next week. Next week, we're actually having a guest minister here that's going to be preaching and teaching. We'll be here. My wife and I will be here. But uh, Pastor Caleb Moran from Lafayette is going to come and teach the word next Sunday. For those of you that don't know, whenever we started the church, the church just made two years. Uh, for the first six months, it was just me, my wife, and my kids. Uh, really, a couple families were here, but there wasn't a lot of us here. But Pastor Caleb in Lafayette sent us six people every Sunday. For how long did he send those people? Through December, September, October, November, December. So he sent six people every week down here to help us. Two to sing, two to do children's ministry, two to greet uh, so that we had help. Because there's a lot to do, obviously. So uh, I've, I've invited him, asked him to come because they just made year five. So that'll be next Sunday. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. You don't want to miss it. James chapter 3, verse 2, starting there, it says, For we all stumble in many things. How many of y'all can say amen to that? Everybody say all is all. In other words, everybody is going to stumble in an assortment of things. And what you stumble in may not be what somebody else stumbles in, but you're going to stumble. Right? Everybody's got a Delilah. 
Everybody's got a lot. Everybody's got things or issues. It may be anger. It may not be anger at me. I'm pretty laid back, but it could be totally different. But everybody stumbles in many things. But if anyone does not stumble in word or in speech or in his tongue, in his mouth, he is a perfect man. Now, that word perfect just means complete or mature. So, in other words, your maturity is, is dependent upon your, of what goes on right here. The Lord just spoke this to me just a few days ago what, before I even started really thinking about teaching this. And he just said real clearly, he said, the determining factor as to whether or not you reach your destiny is not determined by what happens between your ears. It's determined by what happens underneath your nose. In other words, your intellect is not going to point you to your destiny or to your future. It's good to be smart. The Bible says that in, in lots of counselors, there's wisdom. All that's good. But the determining factor for reaching your destiny or success in marriage, success in business, success in kids, is not just what's going on right here. And he said and it's not just the talent of your hands. It, 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 here he says, he says all stumble, but he says if you don't stumble in word, he is a perfect man and he is able to bridle the whole body. In other words, he says, if you can control your mouth, you can control your whole body. If you can bridle your tongue, then you can bridle the whole body. So you have to think about the body. Because if you read it real fast, you kind of miss it. Let me ever read the Bible and miss it. Oh, yeah, me too. And I as a preacher. You got to slow down. And the Bible says you got to meditate. You got to chew on that baby for a little while. It's good meat, but it's kind of tough got to chew on that thing for a little while because here if you just keep reading it, it it says it says if you can control your 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 mouth you can control your whole body i'll come back but let's just finish reading and i still haven't prayed so i get things out of order sometimes uh, i'm gonna finish i'm gonna read all the way down to verse 12 and then we'll pray together indeed we put bits in horses mouths that that they may obey us but we turn their whole body in other words, you can say it like this. A circumstance that's exponentially larger than you are can be changed by a very small thing. So you may have a circumstance in your life that's exponentially larger than your own ability to change it. But with what's up under your nose, you can turn that situation whatever way you want to turn it. Verse 4. Look also at ships, although they are so large that they're driven by fierce winds, that they're turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member of the body, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire Kindle. So far, he said that the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a rudder on a large ship. Have you ever done a cruise before? Oh, yeah, baby. One day, we're going to do a couple's cruise, river style. It's going to be awesome. Got, you got the captain up there in that big giant vessel. It's amazing. He can move that whole, the, the, the direction of that whole vessel that's carrying other people on it giant vessel full of cargo full of valuables and yet that man in the wheelhouse with just a turn of his finger can move the direction of of that whole vessel and everything that it carries you can say it like this the vessel of your life and all of it that it holds 
your wife, your kids, your business, your church, your community, your school, your 401k, the health of your heart. Everything is in the vessel of your life. And he says right here that, that your tongue is the rudder on that vessel. And, and if you can learn how to, to use your tongue correctly, you can steer or guide at everything that your whole body, he says, control the whole body, control the whole vessel, control the whole horse, all with that little thing underneath your nose. The last one he says is he says the tongue's like a fire. The fire. How many of y'all know that? How many ever started a fire at the house? Yeah, and it's not a grease fire. I wish it was a grease fire. It's not a grease fire. With my mouth, I set her ablaze. And not in a good way. Set her on fire in a wrong way. Right? Just with one word. Why? Because I, I know her buttons. Well, we've been around each other now. I know I say one thing. Woo-wee! You dropped a bomb on me. Baby. That's right. That, that, that tongue. Same thing with a kid. Parents are so ignorant. that They don't realize you can burn up the hope of a kid that fast. You can burn up the future. You can burn up. You can, you can burn some stuff up in people's lives just with that little thing underneath your nose. Every kind of beast. All right, let's verse 6. It says, the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among members that it defiles the whole body. There it is again. The whole body sets it on fire, the course of nature, and it's set by a fire of hell. Every kind of beast and every bird or reptile or creature of the sea has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God the Father. Lord, thank you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And yet with it, we also curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth water and uh, fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine, a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. What's he saying we're here? Obviously he's saying if you'll cut some things off, you'll cut some bitterness off. If you'll cut some things out of your conversation, then the whole of your life will change. So now I want to, and then my wife's going to get in here, I promise. Promise. The, the, let's just go back to the whole body. Because, because your whole body is affected by this. So let's just think about what are some problems of the body that people have. People have problems in their body. Anybody ever have problems with your body? Let's just say, let's just say addiction. If we were just going to say uh, 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 you're addicted to pain pills or addicted to alcohol or addicted to nicotine. Apparently, according to this verse, that you could affect the addictive nature within your body with your mouth. In other words, if I can change your language, then I can affect your addiction. That's a very, very, very powerful statement. Very powerful. But here, according to this whole passage of Scripture, that, that you can affect every part of your body 
can be affected bacteria. Let's say temptation. You say, I struggle. I'm tempted. I'm tempted by uh, lust or I'm addicted. I mean, I know you can be addicted to food. The number one killer in America right now is pork chops. Number one killer in America right now is heart disease. And lots of times Christians think, well, if I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't do drugs, then I'm good. Really, the number one killer is food. You can be addicted to food. You can have multiple addictions. You can have multiple temptations. And yet, if I was going to counsel or talk to someone about a temptation that they're struggling with, uh, before I would say, well, don't watch that or don't do that. No, I would revert and say, uh, w what's your mouth like? What's the conversation uh, what are you allowing to come out of your mouth? Because if I can change the direction of your tongue, I can steer that whole ship. Just clear the whole ship at one time. Rather than just take, take care of addiction or temptation. Listen, if you have soul issues. How many of y'all know what soul ties are? Soul issues. Fear. How many of y'all have a problem with fear? Self-esteem. I have low self-esteem. These are all problems of the body, right? All problems of the body. And yet here, if we can get our mouth going the right direction, then we can change. So I'm going to give you some other scriptures, and now I'm going to let you go because you're just sitting there like a church mouse. Well, one, one thing, like you said, find scriptures. That's right. Um, just want to give you some practical things. Find scriptures on whatever it is, whatever kind of challenge that you face or whatever area you want to change in your life. For example, uh, when, we, when we had kids... I've got this little book right here. And we have some resources. Did you bring that stuff? Yeah, it's all in my bag. Just to give you some good ideas. But this right here, it says 14 scriptures to pray over your children. Um, th these people have an excellent children's ministry. And they've got scriptures right here. It tells you what to say. It gives you a confession. It says, according to Psalm 4.3, my child has been set apart to serve God. My child will not serve the devil. My child will not serve and live the way of the world. So it tells you what to say. It gives you the scripture where it came from. It has it all together in a nice little book for you. And, and uh, so whatever area it is that you have challenges in, you find scriptures that talk about that. If it's depression, then find scriptures on joy. If it's uh, addiction or desire, there's tons of scriptures on desire. One thing about desire to the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty and inquire in his temple. God, that's what I desire. I desire you. I desire to be in your presence. So whatever it is that you struggle with, if it's with your mind, there's a ton of scriptures that talk about your mind and about washing your mind or renewing your mind with the word of God. The Bible actually says to do it daily. Sure. So if you want to see some change, it will take it can take time to be able to take that giant ship that, you know, cruise ships have. When we went, we went on one, it had over 2,000 passengers. And to, tur to turn that ship, you can't turn it on a dime. It takes some time. But when you get the word out and you daily, you put it in your routine, I'm going to do this every day, it will start to make a change and steer that ship in a different direction. One other thing I just want to say real quick is that sometimes whenever people, um, I remember hearing people say, well, I don't want to just read that because I don't really mean it in my heart. If I'm reading a confession or scripture or something somebody else wrote, well, that's that really doesn't, it kind of hurts my heart to hear that when people say that. Because in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things which you sayeth shall come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. So he's telling them right here to speak to the mountain, and he's telling them what to say, whoever shall say these things, whoever shall say unto this mountain. So he's telling them exactly what to say. So how sure. foolish of it would it be for us to stand in front of Jesus and say, I can't say that. I mean, you said it, but I want it to come from my heart. 
I would never say that if Jesus himself is standing right there and is telling me what to say. I'm for sure going to say it. So take these things which other people have compiled. We have some books, and, and he's got a scripture study guide. We're going to go over this in the next couple of weeks. There's no, yeah. way, no way I could. I mean, we, we taught Bible college for years now and take a whole semester just teaching on uh, faith and the speaking part uh, because, uh, again, if you, can change, if you can change the way people uh, uh, talk, then you can change their life. But most people, let's, let me say this, most people talk really well in church. I mean, what I'm talking about. You, you, could say, you could say a lot of really good things. I believe God. God's awesome. He's powerful. He can do anything. He created the universe. And then on the ride home from church, you can be like, my God, I'm broke. I feel bad. I got corns. Man, just my kids are... Kids got holes, in, and you can take this God of the atmosphere that can do anything and then get in the car and can totally, within your own life or your own sphere of influence, you can make him so tiny just with the words that come out of your mouth, or you can magnify him and make him so incredibly big and large. I love uh, talking to Anna and, and Tanya because sometimes uh, Anna will get on to Tanya because Tanya has bad confessions. She'll be like, I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to pass the test. I'm not going to do good. And Anna says, I have to get on to her. And I say, Tanya, don't talk like that. Don't say that. You are going to pass the test. You can do it. And, and Anna gets on Tanya. But then Tanya say, Anna, she has her own little mouth issues. And it may be with something at the house or something at home. And she kind of gets raggedy in one area. How I many y'all You can be strong in faith in one thing be like, Lord of God. And, and then in another area, you can be totally just off. You just The train just fell off the track. So I like the fact that they hold each other accountable. That they get around each other and iron sharpens iron and says, you need to watch the way you're talking. Because instead of opening heaven, you're closing it down. Instead of making God big, you're making him so small. And he wants to be big. He's, he wants to tell you, you're blessed and highly favored among men. Uh, rejoice. Be glad. That re word rejoice just means jump up and spin around. Can you imagine Gabriel walking up to a 17-year-old girl and going, jump up and spin around. You're highly favored. And that girl was just like, what are you talking about? And yet in his, in his mind, his thought is, you don't know what you got. And if you'll line your words up, how many of you, you ever shot an open sight gun? And I got a quiz. Last thing I'll say, Mandy, for real? <laughs> Never mind. If you got a scope, you know you have a scope. But open sights, the reason I, I, I say it is my little, bro, my little boy, every afternoon he's outside with his BB gun. And he's got open sights, meaning you have to align the outside sight with the front sight. If you just put the outside sight on the target, you're going to miss. And if you just put the inside sight on the target, you're going to miss. You have to put the outside target in line with the inside target, and you aim it at whatever you're trying to get at. In our case, praise the Lord, uh, he walked up with a bunny rabbit, and we ate him. And it was awesome. He walks up, he says, he says, who's the man? I was like, what? What are you talking about? He says, come outside, I got him. I was like, for real? You got a BB gun, man. Are you going to kill a rabbit with a BB gun? He walks out, and that rabbit's about three feet long. He's holding it like this. And I was like, man, no way you killed that rabbit with that bunny. He says, I shot him right in the head. I said, whoo, man, let's take his britches off, put him on the stove. We're about to eat. And we did. We made a gumbo with that money. Why? Uh, listen, Noble, Noble just takes the outside sights, puts it with the inside sights, and, 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 and attacks his target. Jesus said in Mark 11, chapter 23, he says, he says, 
any mountain can be moved. The reason he said mountain is because mountains seem insurmountable. And he says, if you'll speak to that mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. Why did he say the sea? Because there'll be no record that it was ever there. So he says, you can, if you'll align my words with your words and aim it at the mountain, that mountain can be removed and there'll be no record that it was ever there. And that could be addiction, could be temptation, could be anger, could be self-esteem. Whatever the mountain is, if you can find scriptures on that mountain, find, I kind of narrowed it down to three words, last three words I'll give you. Find. Stand. Me, I can do. Hold. Wish I could give you the scriptures. I'll have to give them to you next time. Find scriptures. The Bible says, stand on those scriptures. The last one is, hold fast to your confession of faith. Hebrews ten twenty three. Find, stand, hold. I'll have to get into it next time. Praise God. The Lord is good. I encourage you this week. I didn't give you as much practical stuff as I wanted to. Uh, kind of just went into the importance of it. But really, I encourage you to watch your words this week. Is your home uh, a home where faith is spoken? Or is it a home where fear is spoken? Is your home a place of peace? Or is it a place of stress? You can manipulate the environment of your life and of your home just by the words that you say. And you can take the ship of your house and turn it a different direction if you're tired of the direction that it's been going. And you can do that just with the Word of God in your mouth. Praise God. Yes? Look, one thing you had said about if you've burned something up in your life and you feel like maybe I, that was me, I have burned some things up, uh, you know, in a friendship or in a relationship. What we're talking about here, um, your confession and changing your words. If you change your words and start speaking positive and start speaking life to that situation, you can absolutely restore things. You sure. can absolutely rebuild something that's better than what the best thing you thought that was even there before. You can create something even better with your words. So I want to. I just want to leave on that note. I want to encourage you. If you have burned something up, we all have at some point with our words. We've misspoke. But you can rebuild, not just repair, but really just restore back to that situation. Proverbs 12.8 says, There is that speaketh that is like a piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Moffat says that a reckless tongue will wound like a sword, but there is healing power in thoughtful words. Praise God. You can heal, you can harm, you can hurt, or you can help just with your words. Let's pray. We have to pray. Thank you, Father God, for uh, your goodness. Thank you, Father God, uh, for, for instructions. My God, I need it personally in my own home, my own ship, my own life. Father God, that I, I ask uh, for your help, for the Holy Spirit on the inside of me to help me uh, not say this, but say that. Help me personally align my own words of faith, hope, love, possibility. Align that with your words. I thank you, Father God, that every person here is blessed and highly favored by you. That we leave this place uh, not feeling like we did when we came in, but we leave uh, going knowing that we are blessed, that we are highly favored among men, that we're a part of the body of Christ, the greatest, uh, most, most uh, awesome institution on this planet. We're a part of that. We thank you, Lord, so much uh, uh, for your instruction today. We purpose in our heart to not be 
uh, just a hearer of the word, but you said to be a doer of the word. Because if we just come to church and hear your word, but we don't change, then we deceive ourselves. But you said that if we would be a doer, if we would just do what you're telling us to do, then the ship of our life can go in a different direction. And everybody on board that ship will reap the benefits of your change, your word.